We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. So we'll set up the last round of baseball series. We'll also set up the softball two teams that are in regional play, how the two men's golf teams are doing in the NCAA tournament, including Cincinnati being at an utterly crazy low-scoring regional in Las Vegas. And also, yeah, women's lacrosse. We didn't really get to do a full show on Monday. My apologies for that. But there were two amazing second-round NCAA tournament games. Also, sport that we don't cover that much, if at all, that would be rowing. Just to throw it out there, the rowing AAC championships were held over the weekend in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and SMU, which is 12th in the country and was the number one seed advanced automatically to the NCAA championship, which is in a couple weeks in Pensacola, New Jersey. SMU was first, Tulsa was second, UCF, which competes in rowing, parallel to the Bulls, who have a sailing team. Temple fourth, and then last two spots, two teams that are satellite members for that sport in the conference. Did you know that Sacramento State was in the American Athletic Conference in a sport? Now you know that sport would be women's rowing, Old Dominion rounding out that field. Well, the field will be set for the American Athletic Conference Baseball Tournament starting Thursday, the final series of regular season play. Houston and East Carolina vying for the championship. They can't be tied because when Houston and Wichita played each other and the Cougars won the first two games, including a big comeback, which turned out to be pretty critical, they never got in game three due to the weather. So there's a half game situation and Houston leads East Carolina by a half game. So for the Cougars, they will have to basically win the same amount of games, or more obviously, than the Pirates do this weekend. East Carolina happens to be coming to Tampa. And if they'd won last night, they would not have needed a plane to fly here because they had two big comebacks in a major game. And I'm not sure how the Pirates will be mindset-wise on Thursday. Either they're going to be down in the dumps or the other way around, ticked off and looking to take it out on the Bulls. This was not just a gut-wrenching loss. This was not just a big-time matchup. This could have been major as far as repercussions for East Carolina, which entered ranked 15th, Campbell ranked 14th, both teams in the top 20 in RPI. This was basically, at least it felt like anyway, an elimination game for hosting a regional. And the Pirates looked like they were going to come out on the right end of it. They scored five runs in the bottom of the fifth after being down 4 nothing. Then they gave up the next seven runs. They were back behind 11-5 to and scored six runs in an amazing bottom of the seventh, tacked on two more in the eighth, only to have Carter Spivey, one of their best pitchers, usually a starter, 6-2, and two, surrender three runs in the top of the ninth. Campbell wins it 14-13. to 13. The Camels are 40-11. and 11. The Pirates dropped to 38-15. and 4,663 fans jammed into Clark LeClaire Stadium at East Carolina. Again, this definitely had a postseason feel, and Campbell hit a couple of home runs. In fact, off the same bat, Jared Belbin, who now has 17 homers and 57 RBI and is a 332 hitter. So they looked in control, but then East Carolina got to the second pitcher of the day for Campbell, Cade Boxrucker, who walked a pair and hit a man to load up the bases. They bring in Aaron Rund. Aaron Rund is Campbell's closer. He's got five saves. Aaron Rund gave up eight runs in this game. A Joey Barini two-run single. And then Alec Makarevich, who's a stud, ties it with the homer, and they weren't done. Oh, no, they weren't done. 
Connor Rasmussen, who is a freshman and still has not started a game, came on to pinch hit in this inning and got his first career hit. And East Carolina was so juiced up by that, apparently, that Lane Hoover drove him in. So it was 5-4, to four, and obviously, game's not over. Campbell immediately took the lead back in the top of the six, and they apparently blew it open, or at least it looked that way, with five in the top of the seventh, including Lawson Harrell's 19th homer. Oh, by the way, he's a 372 hitter with 61 RBI. So the Pirates clearly were out of it at this point. It was 11-5, to five, except they tied it with five in the bottom of the seventh. An amazing game. Like I said, the two RBI double by Justin Wilcox and made it 11 to 8. And then Josh Moylan, who, you got to be careful sometimes when you do this, really styled and profiled after hitting a tying three run homer like he had ended the game. Clearly, he had not ended the game, but they've got some confidence, they've got some swagger. And I guess you were going to have a positive reaction after getting punched in the gut and immediately tying it up. Josh Moylan would drive in five on this night. Again, eight runs against a very good Campbell pitcher, and it was tied at 11, and then the Pirates took the lead in the bottom of the eighth. This time it was Moylan again, a two-run double, handed over to Carter Spivey in the ninth. Spives couldn't get it done. Single, double, tying double, walk, and an RBI ground out. Actually, Campbell had that lead and still just one out before Spivey Kept it 14-13. to 13. Pirates lead off the bottom of the ninth of the single. Do they possibly have another rally in them? Ground out moves over the pinch runner. Then you had a four-pitch walk. Incidentally, this was against Campbell's ERA leader, Jackson Roberts, a sub-two mark. He came on to get the final out of the eighth and ended up barely getting the win. After Rasmussen, who would have really been the hero, flew out. He had two hits and two runs. A wild pitch put him on second and third, but then Lane Hoover flew out to center. And like I said, not sure how the Pirates are going to come to town looking for, not revenge, but an outlet or completely down in the dumps, at least maybe for the first game. This one took four hours and 18 minutes. Campbell completes the season sweep, and that's three games, so there's no doubt that that hurts East Carolina's chances of hosting a regional. Certainly, you could not justify giving the Pirates a spot over the Campbell Camels. Houston, meanwhile, didn't play last night. Now, If you're thinking not playing against Sam Houston, maybe it's the best thing for a team looking to keep its RPI ranking up. Actually, Sam Houston is a little bit above Houston Cougars in the RPI ranks in the low 80s, while Houston is in the low 90s. So the regular season wraps up with series Thursday through Saturday. Before we get there, a couple more scores from yesterday. UCF over Bethune-Cookman, 11-7. The Knights are now 30-23 overall. Bethune-Cookman, by the way. Doing well in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, still above 500. Got a big game from Cole Russo, 3 for 4, with 5 RBI in that one. And also a nice start from Ben Vespi, who got his second win. Went 5 innings, struck out 6, only allowed a couple of runs. And Cincinnati defeated Georgetown yesterday, 12 to 6. Ryan Nicholson hit his 13th home run, which puts him on that school's top 10 all time. So, Houston 15 and 5, East Carolina 15 and 6. Wichita State is 3 games behind Houston, but... With the Cougars holding ahead the head, Wichita State can only finish third. That's interesting enough because it looks like they've got third wrapped up. They're two games up on UCF. Guess what? The Knights actually host Wichita this weekend, so UCF is the other team that can jump into third place. But all eyes are going to be on that first seed between Houston and East Carolina once again. The Cougars basically just need to stay level with East Carolina as far as wins this weekend. But East Carolina's thinking, hey, if we sweep the Bulls and Houston slips up once against Cincinnati, 
that'll be enough to get it done. Bulls enter the weekend tied with Tulane at 7-14 and 14 for the last two spots. Bulls have the tiebreaker based on their head-to-head series victory. Memphis is a game ahead, and oh, by the way, Memphis plays host to Tulane, so there's actually a chance that the Bulls could finish anywhere from 6th to 8th, but the 6th would require probably sweeping East Carolina, so realistically 7th or 8th place, and that will mean, if you're curious, a Tuesday afternoon game next week. On the first day of the conference tournament, everybody plays on Tuesday in Clearwater. The Bulls will be playing a little afternoon or in the middle of the afternoon, depending on their seed, but let's hold off until Thursday's action give you more full outlook on the Friday around the American softball will do the same with the full previews for the regionals but just letting you know the NCAA tournament does begin on Friday and you have two teams from the conference both on the road Wichita State in Stillwater Oklahoma they have beaten the six seed Oklahoma State twice this year already Wichita State begins though against Nebraska one of those teams that like USF didn't exactly have a great second weekend over in Clearwater in fact I remember distinctly sort of strolling behind Nebraska after they had finished going 1-4 and four to fall to 5-5, five and five, and their coach trying to tell them, we're not going to play nearly as tough as a schedule the rest of the way, and Nebraska ended up making it to the tournament. Again, more on that regional on Friday's show, same with where UCF is headed, which is where the Bulls were last year, Tallahassee, where their first game will be against South Carolina. We wrap up with more NCAA tournament, women's lacrosse and men's golf specifically. On the women's lacrosse side, boy, it was almost an amazing weekend for the conference. James Madison did come back from down three goals in the fourth period to defeat Maryland 15-14, while the Florida Gators came back at home from down 15-11 to to tie it, but then Notre Dame scored with just 10 seconds left, 16-15. to So national quarterfinals tomorrow afternoon for the James Madison Dukes. Again, they are a member of the conference in women's lacrosse. They will play at second-ranked Syracuse. Finishing with golf, where the two women's teams that advanced from this past weekend's regionals will be playing in Scottsdale, Arizona. We'll talk more about that on Friday's show, talking about SMU and Tulsa. On the men's side, two teams hoping to advance today, Houston and Cincinnati. We alluded to it. Cincinnati is playing at the uh, very gettable Bears Best Las Vegas golf course, where in the first day, Arizona State turned in a 26 under par. They had a golfer shoot 70 and his score didn't count. Preston Summerhays shot a 10 under 62. Two eagles on his front nine and then five birdies. Actually, after round two, Summerhays is tied for fifth. And Arizona State actually lost the lead. They are only 38 under par. Stanford at 42 under par. Stanford's fifth out of five best golfers is actually tied for first place. Amidst all of that, Cincinnati has a good-looking score of 19 under par. That has them 11 out of fifth place. One team is over par. We will save their names. Let's just say their score is a little Lehigh. Houston is playing on an actual tough course, Auburn's University Club, where Auburn was the only team under par and just one under entering the final round. Houston at 25 over par, 15 shots off that fifth-place line where you need to hit to advance Ohio State. Actually, one shot up on Indiana and a couple teams right behind them. So drama today in the last day of the men's golf tournament. That'll wrap up around the American on a Wednesday. I'm Derek Sharp.